Welcome to the Rainier View Christian Church Podcast, where we invite you to pursue God, engage in community, and make a difference. Here's Jeff. Hey, my name is Jeff. I'm one of our teaching pastors here at Rainier View, and we are kicking off a brand new series this week called Habits. And we wanted to do this series because coming out of a pandemic, we know that we have a whole opportunity to restart or institute some new habits because we all have goals that we want to accomplish. Maybe you want to lose 10 pounds or more because of the pandemic. Maybe you want to get a new or a better job. Maybe you want to keep some of that family time that you've had and you want that to move forward with you. Uh, maybe you want to develop a greater sense of patience. Uh, you know, there's, there's all these things that we want to accomplish and do. Maybe you finally want uh, to get organized, right? The question is, we have all these goals, but why is it that we don't accomplish them? I want to show you my office and all the plans I have to reorganize and get it in shape um, haven't quite happened yet. Let's come on and take a look. All right, first off, you see here that I've got these rope stanchions that look like I'm about to board a steamer ship in the 1890s because this is functional and needs to be here. Um, we kind of continue. You see I've got a pot with a tiny bit of potting soil and some roof pigeon spikes. Definitely a must-have this season. Over here, I've got a pair of wine glasses with some custom-made Seahawks logos in the bottom from a wedding that I performed. The couple hasn't asked for them back yet. They can be yours for $10, but shh, don't tell them. And of course, a lamp in the middle of the floor, in the middle of the room, not plugged in. That's necessary to do work, obviously. But here's the real reason that we're here. Look at all these books and how smart I am, right? No, the reality is I got half of these for college and I'm never going to open them again and I need to thin out the bookshelf. And then last but not least, we've got the desk and we're not even going to talk about it. No judgment. It just is what it is. And this is just a little sneak peek at my office and those hopes and dreams to clean it up that haven't happened yet. And so the reality is that's why we're doing these, this series because goals in and of themselves don't accomplish the things we set up to, to succeed at. They just don't. Uh, we need to look at the habits that we have in place to, to accomplish those things. And my fear, my fear is that coming out of a pandemic that we are going to miss out on the lessons that we could have learned, the good things that we can take forward, to be reminded of that maybe we've gone without, maybe we've lived without, and that we want to make sure that those things stay important, that we stay focused on them, but that we're just going to rush back to our lives before. That's my fear. You know, this was kind of confirmed for me when I was at the Y, and I overheard a couple parents talking, and one of the parents was saying, you know, oh, you know, it's just really tiring getting back into the swing of things. And I've heard that sentiment over and over again from a lot of people. But this parent was saying, you know, yeah, it was kind of nice having most of my nights at home, if I'm being honest. But, you know, now I'm back to coaching three kids' soccer teams. And, you know, the parents laugh, uh -huh, yeah, it's so, it's so hard. But why do we choose to live this way? Why do we choose to just run right back into the arms of our same old lives? You know, and I get it. I like to be active too. I have a hard time resting. I want to I wanna be doing something at all times. But the reality is for you and I, we each have 
168 hours a week to invest, to budget, to use. The question is, how are we gonna use those hours? What actions are we gonna pursue with that, with that time? What are we gonna do with the hours that have been given to us post-pandemic? We gotta think about that. And so, thinking about how to invest our time, really that's the point of habits. Habits are just simply actions that are repeated over a long course of time. Craig Rochelle says it this way. He says, successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. And so people who can afford to retire decide how much money they're gonna set aside and they do that not over the course of three months, they do that over the course of decades. Maybe you wanna grow spiritually coming out of the pandemic. The number one way that Christians grow spiritually, by, by research actually, is to read your Bible and pray daily. That's the number one factor of spiritual growth. Even if you just get to four days a week of doing that, there are major spiritual growth uh, that takes place in your life. Maybe it's, again, uh, wanting to be healthier. Okay, if you just work out every day for one month really intensely, and then you take 11 months off, you're not gonna see great results from that, right? Again, even just walking three times a week for 30 minutes each, that actually has an amazing amount of cardiovascular good in your life. Maybe you wanna have deeper and more meaningful relationships, but if you just seek out friendships that, that you wanna be meaningful, but you only make time for them when they're convenient for you, you're never gonna be close to those people. You're never gonna experience closeness in those relationships. And so the Bible itself actually speaks to this truth, this reality, the need that we need to look at the habits we keep. And it actually has a lot to say about it. And we're going to look at several different verses that kind of teach us some truths about the habits that we keep. But consider at the beginning here the life of Jesus, okay? Jesus kept some habits. He had periods of his ministry where the demands and the pressure and the crowds were nonstop 24-7. But what do we read in Luke's gospel? It says this in Luke 5, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus had this habit of praying first, creating this space before meeting the needs of the crowd, before the demands of the crowd. We look at the life of the apostle Paul who went around and helped establish the early church. And we see that he had a habit of showing up in the synagogue or at the temple and had a regular pattern of teaching and reaching people. It says in Acts 17, as was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue. And then even think about all of the Old Testament feasts and celebrations when you read through there. And some of them are weird and some of them we don't get. But what you can take away is that there was a regular pattern of celebrations and feasts. That there was a habit. There was, sometimes we call it here, a rhythm to how the people worshiped. And we need these habits as well. And so let's just take one biblical habit. Let's say you want to become a more generous giver. That's a great goal to have. We want you to become more generous and we want to give you the tools to become more generous. But just thinking, okay, I want to be more generous, or just giving an end-of-year gift in December, it's just not enough. You need a regular habit of giving to become a more generous giver. Again, the Bible speaks to this. In the letter to the church in Corinth, in 1 Corinthians, in chapter 16, we read this about giving. 
Paul encourages those in the church. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. And so this is actually, if we want to get in the habit of giving regularly, we encourage you to set up recurring giving uh, on our Pushpay app or online uh, to set that as a regular part of your life. It just happens automatically. You know, we automate what's important to us, what needs to happen. We look for ways to make that automatic in our lives. And yes, of course you can give manually, and some of us love to, to, to write that check or to physically give, but it's interesting, research shows that even with the best intentions, giving that way, we end up giving less frequently, and it just makes sense. Life gets in the way, we forget, needs pop up. And so, again, just taking that one habit of becoming a generous giver, there needs to be, again, a pattern to how we do that, a regularity. And so here's the thing about habits, whatever they are, whether it's growing in our spiritual lives or whether it's just getting healthier or organized or, or whatever it is, our habits literally shape us into who we are becoming. Sean Covey says it this way. He says, our habits will make us or break us. We become what we repeatedly do. And so that's a sobering thought. That is a sobering reality for us to consider, what do I do with that knowledge that I know that? And I think the first thing that we do, and it's probably a little outdated to say, but we just admit that the struggle is real. This is a real struggle. The Apostle Paul, he writes in, in the letter to the Romans uh, in chapter 7, he writes of this struggle that you and I, we experience this. We get this. We've all lived this out. We're living it out each and every day, actually. But in Romans 7, we read this. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyways. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so thinking about that on maybe some smaller scale, let's not, let's not talk about big, huge sins, but let's just think about some small ways that we want to pursue health. We want to pursue living maybe the way that God wants us to. Maybe there's a project that, that we know we need to get to, but we just can't seem to stop procrastinating on it, right? You want, you want to lose weight. You want to stop eating so much sugary food, but you just can't seem to get there. You want to stop spending hundreds of dollars every time you go to Costco, right? But you're pushing that oversized cart through the store and its giant metal belly is beckoning you to fill the cart with all manner of goods. Like I was just there and they've got that wall of things that are only there for about a week. And it was like a shower head and there was a giant shower head with a little tiny shower head that like had a little magnet thing. And I was like, oh, this is cool, and it was in my hands. And I'm like, what am I doing? I literally just installed a new shower head three months ago. I don't need this, right? Like, I don't know what your struggle is. If it's just that, that like, I'm gonna get out of Costco with two items today. But whatever it is, um, the question really is, why so often is it for us that we don't succeed at what we set out to do? 
And I think the, the starting point to understand this is that we don't succeed because often we focus on the what instead of the how. You and I often don't succeed because we focus on the what and not the how. So I am a lifelong diehard Los Angeles Lakers fan. Uh, on, the, on the earliest fringes of my sporting memories, uh, I can remember watching the Showtime era Lakers in the 80s, kind of the golden age of Lakers basketball. Uh, but then throughout the decades, the you know, team changes and goes through different seasons. Uh, but in the 90s into the 2000s, there's of course the old ancient enemy of the Boston Celtics. But they weren't the most maddening team. The most maddening opponent for me watching basketball was the San Antonio Spurs, right? Because you watch them and you're like, they shouldn't be this good. How, how did this team win like five championships in a span of 20 years and they made the playoffs 20 years straight? Like, how did this team accomplish this, this goal, right? Because here's the reality. Every team, even the Seattle Mariners, have a goal of at least making it to the playoffs, if not winning a championship. Every team has that. But yet, not every team realizes that goal. For the San Antonio Spurs, it didn't start with the goal, we want to win a championship. It, start, it started with, how will we build a championship-level team? And that started with the kind of players that we're going to draft, how we develop and care for our players, and how we figure out how to play as a team. We figured out how are we going to have the habits to build a championship-level team, and the results end up taking care of themselves if we, if we stay at it. Let's take a more personal example. Okay, I have, as a pastor, done dozens of weddings over the years. I've been to many more. Right, and so think about you know some of the weddings that you've been to. Uh, maybe they've been simple. Maybe they've been weddings where a redonkulous amount of money has been spent on this one day. But I've never been to a wedding yet where the couple uh, stands before their family and friends and they say, "This day I pledge to you my undying faithfulness for seven years." I've never heard that. But the reality is that's the average length of a marriage in the United States is seven years. But nobody sets out for that to be their goal when they enter into marriage. Again, there's the same goal, but often different results. And so here's the thing, whether it's a sports team, whether it's your marriage, it's not that the goal is unimportant. Having a clear goal is very important, but it's not the most important thing. Because the first thing we need to know about habits is this, that goals don't determine success. Systems determine success. First thing you need to know about habits is that goals don't determine success. Your system will determine success. So let's consider one more example of people of faith from the Bible and, and an example that speaks to this. Uh, there's a man named Daniel in the Old Testament, and he was, he was a leader uh, of God's people in, in a difficult time and a season of exile, and yet he was faithful to God, and, and he led as a man of faith, and he served at the highest levels of leadership in the Babylonian government, to the point at which he had a lot of people very jealous of him and very suspicious of him. They wanted to take him down a notch. They didn't like all the success he enjoyed, and so yes, this Daniel who got thrown into a lion's den, right? But even in the midst of facing a difficult situation like that, look at 
the habit that Daniel had that was able to sustain him even in the face of incredible difficult circumstances. Daniel chapter 6 verse 10 we read that three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed giving thanks to God just as he had done before. You know, I was recently reminiscing a bit with a former youth group student, and we were, we were thinking back at a time where there was a, there was a year where we came off a summer camp, and we were doing our first series of the fall on the life of Daniel. And I opened that series by saying, okay, this school year, don't try and pray for 20 minutes a day. Don't do that. And you're like, what kind of youth pastor were you? All right, but just wait with me. Said, hey, what if, what if instead... We do a little experiment. That this year, we're just going to just start by praying three times a day for at least one minute for the next 30 days. Just pick three pre-selected times that you're going to pray. When you wake up in the morning, on the drive over to school, at your, at your locker, before your first class, uh, you know, before dinner time, before you go to bed, whenever. Pick three pre-selected times and then just pray for at least a minute. If you pray longer than that, that's great. But just do this. And it was interesting that she said not only was that an incredible time of spiritual growth for her, but it was a time of growth that you sensed throughout our whole youth group. Now, there is the reality that sometimes God just does special things with a group of people, and it's nothing that, that we do, right? It's nothing that we can necessarily explain. It's just God's at work in a unique and a powerful way. But the other reality is that There was a system that allowed healthy habits to take place. It was simple enough to implement in the everyday life of a teenager. And I think in part, that's why it added up to big change over time. And so we we are so often focused on the results that we want to see, not the how, right? You get on that scale, ugh, I need to lose weight. You open up that messy office or that messy garage, ugh, I need to get organized. You open up that bill that's overdue and, oh, I need to pay off that credit card, which, again, by the way, here at Rainier View, we still have access for you to get a Ramsey Plus account to have a tool and a system to help you pay off debt uh, and, to, and to manage your money well. But we focus so often on the results, the things that we want to see different. We don't think about the systems. We don't need more clarity about our reality. A lot of times we're, we're pretty clear about that. Sometimes we need that. But far more often, we need to look at the systems that establish the habits in our lives. Because when we fix those, lo and behold, the the outcomes tend to begin to fix themselves over time. And so the second reason that I think we don't establish good and healthy habits that I believe God wants for us and that we struggle with pursuing these good things, these good habits coming out of pandemic and, and that we want these outcomes to be different, but we, we're going to struggle with seeing them being realized. I think the second reason we don't succeed is because we don't see results fast enough. Now, you might say, yeah, we get that. Everybody gets this one, right? Like, you went to the gym three times this week, and somehow you gained two pounds, and you're pretty sure it wasn't muscle, right? You want to stop yelling at your kids, and so you download your Bible app reading plan, and you download the Parent Q app to help you be a better parent, and yet this morning you were just yelling at your kids, what's going on? Um, you, you said, yeah, I need to get out of debt, I need to get things under control, and you gave up coffee, 
and you're saving like 100 bucks a month by just keeping, keeping driving, you're passing Starbucks or Wolf Club or wherever you go. Um, but the problem is that you fell asleep at your desk and you cracked your laptop screen open with your head and now you've got four stitches and a busted laptop, right? Like we just, we give up because the results don't seem to be panning out. We're trying, but they're not changing. I actually think we don't get this truth because we believe this feeling, which is a small lie that tells us small decisions don't really matter. Those small decisions, they don't really matter. What's one more cookie or donut really going to mean in the big scheme of things with, with your weight? Is it, is it really gonna be that big of a deal? Is it really gonna be that big of a deal if you watch one more episode and just kind of cheat yourself out of one more hour of sleep? Does it really matter? Does it really matter if you look at those images, those videos on the internet that you know you shouldn't? Is it really going to affect your marriage? The one you have now or the one you hope to have one day? So we believe this, this small lie that small decisions don't matter. You know what the reality is? We're dumb. <laughs> okay. uh, no, you, we're all smart enough to get this, but we do get caught in this trap far too often. You know, a couple weeks back, I talked about this as, as the, the decisions that you and I make, there are no neutral ones. And so the small decisions we make add up to the ecosystem of our lives and the lives of those around us. We're contributing in small ways to the good and the health and the benefit of ourselves and others, or we're contributing to the pain and the hurt and the disadvantage of ourselves and others. That's how it works. Our life is the sum total of the decisions that we make. But here's the thing, people typically only see our boiling points. People only see typically the, the highest highs of our life or the lowest lows. People don't see the, the boring middle of the, the week in and week out, day in and day out decisions that we make. You know, there's, a, there's an old saying that a watched pot never boils. And it's the same as true with our habits. If you put a pot of water on the stove, you can't crank the heat up to full blast for a minute and then turn it off for two minutes and then crank it up to full blast for two minutes and then turn it off for 10. That's never going to, to boil that pot of water. And so in the same way, one small decision isn't gonna change the trajectory of your life. But a lot of small decisions stacked get together over time add up to big change one way or the other. You know, one of my favorite verses speaks to this reality, speaks to this truth. Galatians chapter six, verse nine, it reads, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And so we want you to keep pursuing these good habits that we believe that God has for you. That's why we're in this series right now, that thinking about kind of your life before the pandemic and now that you're coming out of it, how do you want your life to be different? How do you want your life to look more like Jesus? How do you want things to change? We've got to take a look then at our habits. And so I would encourage you, take this summer to really think about those. What are the shifts, the changes, the ways that I need to make little changes in my life? Because your life isn't going to be different moving forward if you don't make a choice to prioritize certain things. And again, we all have a limited amount of hours. We need to decide what are we gonna do with those and what actions are we gonna repeat 
again and again and again over time. But if we're gonna put new habits into place, there's one final reason that I believe that we don't succeed at embracing good and healthy habits that God wants for us, and it's this. We don't succeed in changing these habits because our distorted identity sabotages our success. We have a distorted identity problem that sabotages our success. Because the enemy, the world, other people tell us that what we are not defines who we are. So often, the world tells us that what we are not defines who we are. We're not going to look at these passages, but if you're familiar with them, uh, you can think about them. If you're not, I would encourage you to look in the Bible and, and see some of their stories. But we see this played out in people from the Bible over and over and over again. Consider the life of Moses, right? God said, I want you to lead my people to freedom after 400 years of slavery. And Moses says, I can't do it. I'm a bad speaker. We just wrapped up a series in the book of Judges looking at the life of Samson. But there was another judge, a leader of God's people at that time named Gideon. And God said, I want you to lead my people. And Gideon said, I can't. I'm the weakest guy from the weakest tribe. There's no way I can lead. You think about the Apostle Paul, who was called to help establish and lead in, in that first generation of Christians to establish the church. And I can imagine, what if he got derailed by saying, I'm unworthy to do that. Like, I persecuted Christians. How in the world could I ever build the church and, and lead in it, right? Our distorted identity can rob us of embracing the habits, the things that God wants us to do. And so we do the same thing. We, we have an identity issue going on. You ever said something like this? Well, you know, I'm just bad at handling money, and so I'm never going to be in control of it, so why bother? Right? Or, you know what, I, I have an addictive personality, and so I'm never going to be able to get clean or to stop smoking or stop drinking. Right? Or, well, I'm just an undisciplined person, so I'm never really going to be able to do and fill in the blank, whatever it is for you. Right? Notice how our issue in all of these situations is wrapped up in how we view ourselves. Here's the thing. Our focus needs to shift less so much on what we do and focus more on who we want to be, who we want to become. Because the reality is that if we have an unhealthy identity, it leads us to unwise habits. And unwise habits lead us to have an even more unhealthy identity. And it kind of spirals. It becomes this whirlpool that begins to pull us down and weights us down. And so start with who you want to be, determine that, and then answer the, the question of then what do I need to do? What are the habits I need to embrace? For example, start with, if you want to be a healthy person, say, I want to be a physically healthier person, then answer the do, okay? I'm going to prepare five fresh dinners a week at home, or I'm going to walk 120 minutes a week, or whatever. But first, you need to start with the identity issue of, I want to be a healthy person, right? Or maybe you're saying, you know, I want to be a clean or sober person. Then move to the do. What group Am I going to join to find support in that? Uh, you know, maybe again, I want to be a person who's generous, that helps others in need. 
Then you move to, okay, like what budgeting process and app do I need to use to accomplish that and see that happen in my life? And here's where faith is key to establishing great habits. Because faith is all about our identity and identity shapes our actions. Identity is what shapes action. When you know who you are, then you know what to do. It, it flows automatically out of that. And so we need to, to know that not just as like intellectual facts, but we need to know that as emotionally, on an emotional level, our true identity, and it's based on the way that God sees us. I believe this is our truest identity. And because we get this wrong so often, I believe this is why we struggle with knowing who we want to become and consequently knowing what to do. So Romans chapter six uh, actually speaks to this, this issue of identity. How does, how does God view us? How does faith make a difference in how I view myself? Romans chapter six says, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you've come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. The good news is that God sees us as a person of infinite worth and value and worthy to be loved. This is, this is the identity of how God sees us. And this is the identity that we need to embrace coming out of a pandemic, that we start with this. We start with understanding that God views me as his child. That when I embrace faith in Jesus, that God's word tells me I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed because I have immense value and worth to the God of the universe. That I have the power to choose daily to say no to the sin that I struggle with. That, that, that that's a process that we live with for our entire life, but we have the power to fight back against it now. That I can be all in in serving God with my life. That I matter because I've been created in the image of God. This is our identity. And I believe that the good news of Jesus, one of the best parts about it is that it gives us the healthiest version of ourself, the healthiest view of ourself, because we're viewing ourselves the way God sees us. And that whirlpool that pulls us down that I was talking about earlier, here's the thing. Thinking about a, a, a godly identity, it gives us a healthy one. When I view myself the way God views me, I have a healthier identity. And the healthier my identity is, the wiser my habits become. And the wiser my habits become, it leads to a healthier identity. And if, again, it's like, it's a reverse whirlpool. Like we, we begin to pull out of that. And again, it's a daily, it's a weekly thing that we work at. It's not automatic, but we don't have to just stay pulled down. We don't have to stay in a state of defeat when we understand our true identity. And so how do we, again, coming out of a pandemic, establish first and foremost this, this healthy God-given identity so that we can establish those good and godly habits that God wants for our lives? Uh, I'm gonna give you this action step to kind of take away and start with as we begin this series. I would encourage you to take a sheet of paper, kind of line down the middle, and on one side, just based upon what you know right now from, from God's word in the Bible, 
how does God see you based upon what you, what you know from the Bible and God's word? And write that down. How does God see me according to his word? Just anything that you know. You know, if you've got three bullet points, great. If you've got 3,000, great. How does God see me? Then on the other side, write down the ways that you see you that are in conflict with the way God sees you. And just sit with that. See where the gaps are. See where the discrepancies are between the way God sees you and the way you see you. Because that will allow us to answer the question of what habits do I need to embrace? I'm gonna read it one more time because it's such a great encapsulation of everything we've talked about. Galatians chapter six, verse nine. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Don't grow weary. Continue to embrace those small decisions and, and embracing a rhythm of those over time, committing to them. Because ask yourself, are the actions that I'm embracing, are they leading to things like more joy, more peace, more patience, more kindness in my life, and all the qualities that God wants me to possess? If, if they're leading to those things, those are good habits. And if they're not, what are the changes? What are the habits that we need to embrace? So excited to see how God continues to change your life one small decision at a time. Hey, can't wait to have you back next week. Thanks for joining the Rainier View Christian Church Podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to be notified for all future episodes. Be sure to connect with us on socials at Rainier View CC and find out more about us at rainierview.org.